This is the Living Numbers Podcast. Podcast. I am your host, Tony Ramos, and I have a great, great episode for you all today. If you're watching this on YouTube, you will see that I have two esteemed, esteemed guests. You don't know that they're esteemed yet, but I'll tell you why. Uh, but first and foremost, got to do some housekeeping. Make sure you guys uh, like and subscribe, rate and review five stars. Okay, throw some comments on there. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you click the little bell icon so when you know, you know when the episodes are coming out. Um, you can follow me on IG at underscore Tony Rambles underscore, and you can email the show, onetonyrambles at gmail.com. Uh, help us grow the channel. So I have, uh, I have my two guests here, and y'all know how we do. When we have guests, we got to have an intro. And so I wrote this while we were uh, eating pizza. It was good, y'all. It was good. Domino, shout out, extra sauce. And um, you all don't know this, but it has taken us, I don't know, maybe two hours to get this all set up. So there's a ton of stuff that goes on behind the scenes uh, that doesn't seem that hard. But sometimes you just, you just got to work through your issues. All right. That's a word for somebody right now. But, here we go. Best dressed couple at our wonderful inspiration church. Don't look like it now, but that's okay. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Hailing from Pennsylvania and North Carolina, go Wolfpack, by way of Kenya, actually, all right? Hello. Lawmakers, life changers, and matchmakers, the Kimani Clubhouse champions, Daryl and Santana, say hello to the people. Hey, everybody. Hey, everyone. Thank you for having us on Living Numbers. Podcast. Podcast, baby. So uh, these are, I mean, what was it? Maybe a year ago? Yeah, we we can't, we moved back. Me was a comeback to Houston, mm -hmm. April of 21, 2021. For my wife, it was the first time. Yeah. So these two have a ton of stuff going on which we'll obviously get into. And um, the first thing that I always tell people that they're lawyers. <laughs> so uh, they just recently passed the bar, uh, what, like six months ago? Yeah, October. Yep. Yeah. And they just got married last year. So shout out to you two. Making moves. Making moves. Okay, so I guess, you know, you guys can start anywhere you want right here. Because, yeah, we're going to touch on, like, a lot of different stuff. Let's start here since I brought up y'all being lawyers. Mm -hmm. Just how was that process? Like going from, you know, college to law school and now you got to pass the bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was a very large, like I had a big gap between undergrad and law school. So mm -hmm. I, I worked for eight years. I graduated in 2010, started law school 2018. Wife started at the same time. She took. She had a year gap. I had an eight-year gap. So that gives you kind of the age difference. 
perspective, which is cool. Um, but yeah, so for me, I think it's great having worked before going to law school and career transitioning. I was an engineer. Uh-huh. Now I'm a lawyer. And the career, I think the transition, I mean, go, be, being an engineer before becoming a lawyer, even though like there are a bunch of people starting their careers who are much younger than me making the same money, which is really good money to work in international, at an international law firm doing corporate law, which is what I do. Make great money, but I'm like, damn, I could have been making this six, seven years ago. Why didn't I do it sooner? But I also just appreciate the fact that I come in with already that professional white collar experience. And a lot of the stuff my colleagues are learning on the fly, I already have had that experience. Now, being a lawyer, like knowing what I need to know to practice law is obviously different than what I need to do to practice engineering. But a lot of the bureaucracy... Right, the, politics the, 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 of the I office. Did, I was just it's, about to say the it's exactly politics. it's the same thing. And knowing how to craft an email, like how to communicate a message right. across to your teammates, how to take ownership. Those are things I had bringing in, yeah. and I almost think that's what how I add value to my organization where I'm at. That maybe, and I hope I don't know if my colleagues will watch the podcast, <laughs> but like I think that's the value that I bring that I'm even in a way able to mentor them because I've had that professional experience and right. some of them even reached out to me telling me, Gerald, this particular thing has stressed me out and I'm able to kind of give them wisdom, wisdom yeah, give them yeah. a little guidance so, on it. Yeah, I, I kind of feel that same way because I started teaching mm-hmm. um, at 28-ish mm-hmm. as, a, as opposed to being out of, like right out of college. 21. And not having worked really anywhere besides like retail or anything like that. So I was able to kind of bring some of those skills with me because I'm like, well, this is not my first job. Yeah. Like I've done a whole bunch of other stuff, mm-hmm. which I talked about on one of my previous episodes. I think it was maybe 32 with my brother. I've had about 20 different jobs, 20, wow. 20 different jobs. Yeah, yeah. There were some stuff. There were a few jobs that I forgot to even mention. But we're not talking about me. We're going to go over to Santana and talk about your experience, I guess, just like you did, like from your transition from like undergrad to law school. And and then you can jump into how you two met. Yeah. So for me, uh, I went to Wilkes University undergrad. No one's ever heard of Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, but we're, cro- we're close to Scranton, Pennsylvania. So Scranton! If you watch The Office... I went to school around there, and it really is a middle-of-nowhere type of town. Um, and shout out to Pastor Carlos. He says I make sure that I have an office reference in every episode. There you go. I know he's going to listen to this, so shout out to you. Continue. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was actually a biochemistry major undergrad, and my plan was to go into the medical field in some capacity, uh, but I decided to take classes that had nothing to do with my major. I took right. sociology classes, criminology classes, and I just got really interested in race and the law and civil rights. And so I always tell people, don't be afraid to just uh, go out on a limb, do stuff that you're interested in. Don't yeah. be so laser focused on this is my career, so I'm only going to take classes about my career. Because you could take that one class and realize this is what I'm meant to be. Right. Kia actually went into school and she was saying that she didn't go for, she's a, like, um, what is that when you go for, like, healthcare administration? She didn't go for that, but as she took business classes, she kind of realized that she liked business and that she didn't want to be, she didn't want to work in pharmacy because of all of the, I think she said it was a lot of math, so, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, keep going. 
Yeah, definitely. And don't be afraid to even fail sometimes. Like, just try out different things. That's how you figure out what you're good at, what you're not good at. Yeah. And, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. At the end of the day, the way we measure who becomes a lawyer is if you pass the bar. So even if you pass with the lowest score, we call that person attorney. Yep. So that's it. It's totally different. You got to just nobody, make it through. Nobody knows a year from now whether you passed with a 350 or a 270, which was at least the minimum in Texas. I'm not going to say what our scores were. They were pretty close, but we, we, we were above the minimum. We'll say that. But we're still lawyers. If you find me on social media, I published mine. Okay. You want to plug your social media? Okay, wait, wait, wait. We'll get there. We'll get. We'll actually... Okay, I have stuff in the works if you have not figured it out. Okay, so y'all met and in law school. Right. What right. school was that? So she went to Villanova. I went to University of Pennsylvania. Philadelphia love story. Yeah. Hey, so. that, sounds, that sounds good. It's like a yeah. little movie. It does sound like a movie or yeah. a play or something. Something that has to be published. Okay. All right. Continue. So we met through a friend of mine. He was attending a boot camp, which I wasn't aware of. It was mm-hmm. a pre-law school boot camp. Like law school starts in September. Boot camp was in August of 2018. That's right. when we when we started law school. And he had put together kind of a social outing, disconnected from the boot camp, but it included the people in the boot camp. Right. Like so, a mixer. Right. A mixer. I went. I, I, he was like, he was like, yeah, let's link up. Hey, I'm out with a few people, yeah. pass through, and she happened to be there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, the rest is history. That's the short way to tell a story. Always, the rest was history. <laughs> but I'm sure he wants more. Of course, this is the platform. You can All right. give us the. That, that was that was a segue from the from my essence. wife to chip in. Uh-huh. Well, your turn. Uh, like he said, uh, we went to the pre-law boot camp for mostly first generation. Students. It was run by Philadelphia Diversity Law Group. Shout out. Um, basically, to teach us how to do law school. You know, there's a lot of legacy kids, and if you're the first year, you have no idea what's going on. So I went to this uh, program. I think it was in the evenings. It was like for three nights, and afterwards, the kids. Well, I say kids. We're adults. The students from there <laughs> would. Um, go, you know, to different local bars and stuff like that for kind of like networking grab a drink after the class was over and although Gerald did not go to the class like he said one mm. of his friends who went to the class had invited him out and so I met him at that um networking event mm-hmm. and was it love at first sight I I don't know I feel like we I mean, we were playing it cool right because it was like a networking event like I didn't want to like it was like my first week in Philadelphia. Like, I didn't even know anyone. I was like, oh, we're just, you know, networking. And, and it's 2018. Like, it's not even cool to be like, dang, like, she fine. Let me just walk up to her right now. <laughs> you can't even do stuff like that. I remember, yeah. like, when, I mean, when I was younger, you just you just walk up and say, what's up? But I feel like that's frowned upon these days. That's so mm. weird to me. Yeah, I yeah. remember talking to Gerald. He said that he went to UPenn. And I remember him That's just... That's an Ivy League school, right? Right. Uh. <clears throat> so my ears were like... <laughs> and um, he casually spoke about maybe one day becoming CEO of a major tech company. Was that the first day? Yeah, I remember okay. that. That was at Ladder 15. Philadelphia, great place, great place. Wow, okay. Um, and af- afterwards, CEO. back in those days when I would do a bit of drinking, I would get really hungry and I always craved... Uh, mac and cheese from Cheesecake Factory. That was my thing after okay. a late night. Cheesecake Factory. 
So that night, I was with some people, and after I met him, I was like, oh, we're going to Cheesecake Factory to get some mac and cheese. And he's like, I'll be the gentleman and walk with you ladies. Okay, so was that was that strategic, or you was you like, hey, you know, I'll, I'll just walk the ladies out? Or was you like, I got to make sure I walk with her, man, make sure she... <laughs> I, I think it was more of the latter. Shoot my shot. Yeah, like, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was the only guy, three girls and one guy. So you could just pick... <laughs> Something. There's no competition, right? There's no other guy, so you know it's like. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, my, my friend was happens. dating a girl at the time, another friend of mine. So, and they're get they're engaged to be married now. So nice. But uh, yeah, like so, so nobody else was making that making those moves, man. I was just trying to be bold, and they let me tag along. So let's get in where you fit in. That's it. Okay, so you got your mac and cheese. Oh, I got the mac and cheese. <laughs> right. Okay, so when did y'all like start dating? When did it become like, hmm, I think this is I think this is uh the way to go. I think about a month later. A it month was later. it was it was like mid September. We we had been exploring up to that point. We met a couple we times a over Labor Day weekend. Yeah. 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 So was... then it was like what'd you say? How did it happen? Oh it, it wasn't it wasn't for me it was very direct. I, I knew what I wanted and I said this this is kind of the way I envision my relationship. Like, first thing is you got to be committed to Jesus. I'm not going to walk with somebody who's not walking the same walk. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what'd you say? I mean, I think I, I, was, I was fine with that. I grew up in the church, but at the time that we met, I wasn't uh, living the way I should have been. I wasn't a, a member of any church. Right. You was in the street. I was in the street. Okay. And then what'd you say after that? I was like, so how do you, what do you think about that? <laughs> like, we're going to have, we, we gonna have a church that we go to every that Sunday. That is direct. Yeah. Like he said his intentions were long-term marriage. Like he's not just trying to date to date. Mm. Did that like, did that spark your interest? Yeah. I mean, I like, I like oh, the okay. directness. I, I hate the, the talking culture. Like people who talk for years. Like what, what are you, what are you talking about? Nothing hey. important. It's time to stop talking and start doing. Okay. Take some action. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and so I guess now we can say the rest was easy. If you wish. No, 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 no. Wait, how'd you propose? We took a trip to D.C. Nice. D.C. is what, two, two and a half, three hours from Philly? Yeah. yeah. Proposed. We couldn't get right in front of the White House because there was some action right in front of the White House that day. Because so the building right boy next was to in it. office at that time. Yeah, that yeah, was 2019, yeah, yeah. Something, something was going on. They had police barricades, everything. So we had to go to the building right next to <laughs> it. It was the Eisenhower building or something like that. Whatever was going on. That's not what you envisioned, though, right? You like the Eisenhower building. I didn't want that. One. I wanted the White House. I mean, yeah. the actual <laughs> proposal happened in the in an art gallery. That's like where mm-hmm. the real proposal happened. But we had someone take, you know, you have to have the pictures. We did the live Pictures. one, like the real one was just intimate. Mm. But you know, like nobody was around, just y'all two. I mean, it, 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 there were a few people around. A few people saw it. I mean, it was our gallery, so it was kind of open to the public. So some right. people saw it, yeah. but we, it was kind of dim and dark, so we couldn't get good photos. Oh, so we kind of we kind of did it. I'll have to send you this so you Look can at show the podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So. I gave y'all these people's story because, and here's our first number, so late into the show. 
All right, the average American spends $165 on Valentine's Day, which this is February. It is mm -hmm. the love month. And these two are matchmakers, <laughs> real life matchmakers. Yes, we launched a matchmaking agency in 2021. I guess I'm I'm more of the matchmaker. He's like the the business leader, looking at strategies, figuring looking out the, the tech, something like that, <laughs> and the finances. Like social media, it's, it's like yeah. social media is integrated with technology. Social media is critical in voicing our business, advertising our business. Right. So we're on every I think social media platform: LinkedIn, Instagram, okay. Facebook. So what's the name of it? And what are the platforms? How can people find you? Yeah, so the name of our agency is Stellar Matchmaking. That's S-T-E-L-L-A-R. Stellar. So you can Google us. You can uh, look us up on LinkedIn. Uh -huh. We are on Instagram, yes. on Facebook. I recently made a Twitter. I'm new to Twitter, y'all. But I've been tweeting. So on Twitter, we're at Stellar underscore match. But most places, if you just type in Stellar Matchmaking or go to StellarMatchmaking.com, all of our socials are linked there. Um, so yeah, I, I am an attorney turned matchmaker. I think one of the only in the country. There we go. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have some trivia for y'all. All right. What's up? What's the longest running matchmaking show on TV? The Love Connection. Is that show still on? Oh, you mean that's still on now? Oh, yeah. Bachelor. 20 years, The Bachelor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. 2002. And I always see that show. I'm like, who's watching this garbage? Oh, wow. Students. You feel strong. A lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people strong. are watching it. Because I just, I'm like, this cannot be real. People are fascinated. Love, love fascinates people. It does. Particularly okay. if it's dirty and grimy. And, and yeah, I guess that's what The Bachelor is. Raunchy? Yeah, that, that that's probably. I mean, I don't watch that. So, mm -hmm. some of this stuff, like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So, um, do y'all watch any of those shows? Those kind of shows? Yeah, we've we, done Love we, at First Sight. And uh, nine, 90 Day Fiance, I feel like, is our guilty mm -hmm. pleasure. But now we just watch, like, the the Happily Ever After. We just follow the couples, you know, after the 90 oh, Days. Oh, okay, yeah. Those are, And those are relatively new. Me and Kia have watched those as well. Like, just the uh, Married at First Sight. Because it's like, uh, so Kia's watching it in the room. And I'm always out in the living room playing video games. Uh, right now I'm playing NHL 21. So you do cool. hockey? Yeah, I'm from Detroit. Hockey oh. town. Oh, my God. So we grew up with a good team, the Detroit Red Wings. Mm -hmm. So that kind of got me into hockey gotcha. from the very beginning. Like if you have a good team, you just you want to support the team. Whether you are really into the sport or not, you yeah. know, you just you support the team. So yeah. that got me into hockey. So hockey games are really fun, but we're not here to talk about hockey games. We're here to talk about uh, love at first sight. So I would pop into the room just to like bother my wife, just to say, hey, what you doing? Or to give her a kiss or whatever. And the show is on where people are meeting each other for the first time on their wedding day. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, mm -hmm. no way. Mm -hmm. But that kind of, the kind of story is intriguing. I would say to see that, to see people trust whatever process that is, I was like, okay. So like I found myself just 
right along with her following these three couples and seeing just how the journey goes. Because yeah. at that point, I think we had been married for six years because this was a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And so being a married person and taking my marriage very seriously, I just thought like, okay, could this even work to see these three couples? And you see like, how does it, how do they start? And if you see that they start off like, well, then you go, okay, maybe, maybe there may be something. But did you see there's like all this arguing and stuff right at the very beginning? Yeah. You go, mm-mm-mm-mm. Now it's not supposed to be that hard right now. But, you know, so does those, do those uh, uh, shows influence y'all at all? Or, you know what, better question, how did this start? The matchmaking? How did this start? Yeah, so definitely a lot different than the shows. We don't uh, set up people on their wedding days. Um, but yeah, so for me, uh, I think the idea for it was really birthed on a, on a road trip to Atlanta. We drove from Houston to Atlanta for a wedding and we thought it would be fun, you know, a little road trip. We might not do that again in the summer, but it was an experience. It was an experience. Mm-hmm. And from where? Like Houston to Atlanta. Houston to Atlanta. And then we drove it's back. a 13 hour drive. I'm driven to Detroit before. <laughs> so, so then you... So, 24-hour drive, I got you. I totally understand. I didn't realize, at least for my car, the AC went out on the drive back. In that BMW? Yeah, it, but I think... It, but let me, let me like tell September. you, it, you, might think, you might think it's like something broke, but it really is just like... I think it's so computerized that maybe it knew, like, if we kept running this AC, it'd burn it out. Something would happen. So I think the car computer shut it off because by the time we got back and my car had time to breathe and not drive anywhere for a few days, the AC kicked back on. It's a machine. And actually, I I deliberately turned it off for some of the ride there, but then we were sweating. It was 90 degrees outside. The ultimate driving machine, AC, kicks off at some point. Right. So we turned it off and we stopped at a gas station and got some ICs to cool us off. And then I turned it on maybe about two hours later. I was like, she, my, my girl, my wife was just. Mm. I'm notorious for not turning on the AC, especially if it's a nice day. I like to roll the windows down. Yeah, it's just there's no nice days in September. In <laughs> uh, it was hot. It was 90 degrees. And if you roll the, like we had to roll the windows down. You know how it is. You're driving 80 miles an hour with the windows down. Yeah. Yeah, that was that tragic. Hot wind. Yeah. So it was. That's why we're probably. But back then, I hadn't started working yet, so there's no money coming in. We just yeah. we're just taking a bar, and we were just trying to survive until I started getting paid. There you go. So now that we're getting paid, I'm probably we're probably not gonna be inclined to do it's a road trip. Crazy. Okay. Do a unless, road trip. Unless, unless we do it for our next business idea, because that that brought about a business idea. Okay, road trip to Atlanta. Continue. So. um while we were on the road trip, we were talking about different things. Um, I always had an entrepreneurial mind, I guess. Yeah. At least coming out of law school, um, I decided I wanted to do my own law firm versus working somewhere. Um, and the reason behind that was just flexibility and to be able to have a work-life balance. I know that's so cliche. Everyone says that, oh, I want a work-life balance. Um, but, you know, Gerald works in corporate law and you know if he has a deal going on it's not unlikely that he might have to work 12 even 18 hours in a day if if something needs to happen Mm -hmm. so i didn't want both of us working that kind of job because we do want kids we want to have a life we want to have family right um so for me coming up the law firm was like okay uh, this will be more flexible but 
I don't know. It just wasn't catching on. I wasn't found, finding my niche area. I wasn't mm-hmm. passionate about it. So we're talking. I'm coming up with ideas. And we kind of were joking about it. We were like, oh, maybe we should do matchmaking. Because we know like all these single people who want to be married. Um, you know, I feel like we just have a large network of great friends who are great catches, have a lot going for them, but just can't find that person. Right. And so this is something people are willing to pay for and something that we want to happen. So we kind of distinguish ourselves from other um, agencies sometimes. Every agency kind of has a different goal. For me, I only work with people who want to be married. Like if you want your next relationship to kind of be your last, like if you want to be engaged within the next six months to two years, I only work with marriage-minded people. Right. Done screwing around. Like, all the BS is over with. Yeah. Ready to, to settle down. And I think it's hard for people to find find someone that still thinks that way. It is? I mean, it, it's not hard to find people who think that way because every time I'm doing interviews or consultations or working on stuff with clients, everyone wants the same thing, right? In the sense that everyone wants to settle down. They want the... The yard with the fence and the dog oh, and the kids. No dogs. <laughs> agree. <laughs> no. I agree. I against dogs, but I don't want to pay for dogs. I agree. Just, just the proverbial dog, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. That's all of them. Um, <laughs> a picture of a dog. <laughs> um, but we all we all want these things, but you know, it's not as rare to find as people think. Uh huh. But I, th- I think that. There's a lot of reasons as to why people are starting to turn back to matchmaking, honestly. Um, you know, in our parents' generations and the generations before that, people met people organically. You didn't have online dating. You might have had matchmakers, but it wasn't as as common of a practice, at least mm-hmm. not in our culture. But I think a lot of people are turning to it now, one, because people are getting tired of online dating. A lot of people I work with, that's one of the first things they complain about. They're tired of just the low quality people that they've been matched with on online dating sites. And then also the time investment. Like if you're a busy professional, do you have time to be on there swiping for hours to sift through? Yeah, they need somebody else to do the work. Right. And matchmaking agencies offer that. I'm working, hopefully, collaborations to start offering that soon uh, where we do the swiping for you. That's like a whole industry in and of itself. That's a job on its own, all day, you're like, no, no, yes, no, 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 yeah. no, yes. Mm. And they do the messaging for you. They show you the messages before you go on a yeah. date, all mm. that stuff. So wow. just to clarify, like matchmaking is a premium. You do pay five to six figures to have to to the matchmaking part. Like we find, depending on what you pay, we find anywhere from three to 12 unlimited people over a period of time, six months to a year, let's say. And we go out and source a candidate for you. What she's talking about there is somebody who manages your accounts, your dating accounts at a a lower cost than matchmaking. It's still running you a few few thousand dollars. Yeah, it's still going to be four to five figures for that, but it's cheaper than matchmaking. So we're creating opportunity alternatives to our clients, depending on their price range and what outcome they want. So if y'all were um, not married, say we're all single people, right? Would you use a service like this? Matchmaking? Yeah. I think I would, partly because of the privacy. A lot of people, both men and women that I work with, 
they're professionals, they have a certain job, like, and they just don't want themselves out there. I can imagine you as a teacher, you wouldn't want to be putting yourself out there on an app. What if your students are on the app? Yeah, particularly if your students are of age. Like, you can imagine a college professor. Yeah. Or just uh, someone who graduates, day day. you know, like maybe right, you you're 18 them. now. Right. 18 or 19. It's awkward. Right. And uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, like me, I would say, I mean, I'm a guy and I don't know, like, I feel like I speak for guys when I say sometimes we can be cheap. So I know, like, for me, if, if uh, like, go, going back and I, like, we, we're cheap and then we feel like we could get it ourselves. Like, we feel like we don't need somebody else's help. So why go to a matchmaker when I could just do it myself and I could do it at low to no cost? But, you know, also being out in the in the dating scene, it, like, you don't know what your outcome's going to be. It's competitive. Right. You want the flyest girl or guy, and everybody wants them, too. So you got to wow. step up, and you got to do something to, to win that one. I'm fortunate yeah. I won mine, but... Ah, we but both, then, we but, both. Shout out to my yeah, wife. Thank yeah. you. So it's like, it's competitive. You got, like, if you struggle to get yours, and sometimes, like, you could be that guy who, like... You could use the matchmaking because with matchmaking, like you get access to candidates that might suit you and might like you in return, or people that Versus, you're not uh, like readily like accessible to. Ex that's exactly my point. You said it exactly right. Like yeah. we, like we have access to attractive candidates, and you might be that guy who's like, all right, I've I've been out here, I've been trying, I've been mm -hmm. shooting my shot. But I'm also like a busy professional, yeah. and I just I just want to outsource this. I just want to focus on my work. I just want right. to be on my grind, shoot that shot. But I also know I want a woman who holds me down and will complete help, help me complete my house, my my legacy. And what better way to do that than to have yeah. a match make on your side? The person you're looking for, or you may end up being matched with, may mm -hmm. not even be in Houston where we are. Precisely, they could be anywhere. Right, and you uh, open doors. Um, <clears throat> Nah. No mm -mm. way. I would like I, I I like to be out amongst people and mm -hmm. talking to people and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. like you said, I will feel like I can do this on my own. I can mm -hmm. I can find somebody, right? Uh now I haven't had a date since dang. Me and my mm -hmm. wife met ten uh two thousand ten. Yeah. Things are different now. So things are, that's what I hear. Things are very different. My brother, Troy, who was on episode 33, mm -hmm. 33, I think, 33 of the Living Numbers podcast. Make sure you go find it, follow, share, download, rate, review. Yeah. But when me and my brother was talking, not on episode, but just talking, he was saying like dating is not the same anymore. Like people are just different how they're wired especially because like we're in our we're in our 30s you're almost 30 right i'm 27 turning 28 this year so uh he's like when we were you know 19 and 20 like people don't think the same and so even if you were looking for a 19 or 20 or 21 early 20s year old person they think even more different than we who are in our 30s Think now. So he's like, man, it's just, it's the worst. Yeah. I, I haven't heard anyone say like dating is just great. Well, I, did anyone ever say like dating was this great thing? 
I mean, never heard that? I mean, for, for me personally, I guess I was kind of along the same lines as you. Like, I've never necessarily had to turn to online dating or stuff like that, at least to find a partner. Like, him and I met each other organically. We were out. We were living yeah. our life. It was, it was just kind of a given. But I also think COVID has changed a lot of things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And people are... Are looking, and I think a lot of people when they hear matchmaker, especially in our context, in our culture, they think, "Oh, these are kind of misfit people. Maybe they're socially awkward. Like, what's wrong with these people?" But right, a, right. But a lot of the times, it's people who have specific standards and who want results. Right? They're tired of online dating. They want the privacy, and really, being a matchmaker is a lot like being a lawyer. I feel like I'm kind of representing mm. you. I'm vetting for you. Um, so we do executive matchmaking. Yeah. So some matchmaking is I'll only match you with people in my database, right? That's kind of how online dating works. Like they have an algorithm and the matchmaking algor algorithm will just match you with people in that database. Whereas executive matchmaking is we're going out on the ground, right? Like if you come to me and you're like, I need a cowboy, astronaut, violin playing person. Sounds like Right. Um, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm going to the cowboy astronaut violin playing conference next week, and I'm going to pay the money to get into that conference. I'm going to wrangle you somebody. <laughs> right. right. So we're like on the ground, and we're like, I'm a very active person. I'd like to go hiking. I want to do backpacking in Europe. Maybe I'll go to some fitness classes. I'm going to scope people out. I'm going to sit back, catch their vibe. And a lot of times we're just out at restaurants, and people around us probably have no idea, but I'm scoping out. For the client. So yeah, I have a questionnaire, I'm sure. Yeah. Right? So and like, interviews, yeah. And interviews. Okay, so what kind of questions are y'all asking people? Yeah, so I think one of the most important questions, you know, people like to answer the, you know, I want someone this age range, I want someone this race, this height, this profession. But the, mo the important questions are your expectations, mm -hmm. um, your beliefs and how how you see your marriage working down the line because i don't want to just put people together who are going to temporarily be be happy it's important to ask those questions about that long-term expectation because that's what's going to keep you together so these are the questions that really start to separate candidates because I, I feel like a lot of people want like oh i want somebody who's smart i want somebody who's funny i want somebody who's good looking right i want somebody who uh, thinks makes family money. is important, who can who makes yeah. money. I think these are all of the very, that's the easy stuff. Right. Okay. Now we have to start getting into details of like, you know, how do you want to raise children? Our, our money, is it going to be all together or do you want all of our money to be separate? Like these very, very specific questions. And then things like, okay, what are the deal breakers? This is kind of how I reasoned it in my mind. Like, yeah, we have deal breakers. Go. What are the things that you cannot, that you cannot have? Like, just absolute no's. I know. Well, a fu uh, fun, fact, oh, fun fact, fun fact, 100% of my client and database members have told me that their deal breaker are cigarette smokers. Wow. So, <laughs> that was my number one. Everyone doesn't I, well, want a cigarette smoker. <laughs> I don't want any smoking. Like, two leeches on, like, people are going to do what they're going to do. But I could not be with someone who didn't, who smoked anything, did mm. any kind of drugs. I'm not really an alcohol person, keep it to a minimum. If, if you drank alcohol every weekend, that probably wouldn't, wouldn't sit well with me. 
Yeah. And those are questions I ask people. Like, yeah. are you a social drinker once a year, this or that? And I right, ask right, right. I ask details. Like, sometimes people will say, oh, I'm a social drinker, but they only drink, like, once a year at a wedding. So, yeah. finding okay. out, like, exactly right. those lifestyles. Because you're absolutely right. If, yeah. if that's not going to align, it's going to cause problems. And then religious beliefs, because... Those, a lot of times, guide how we run our homes and how we raise our mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. So, if the my girlfriend didn't believe in, in Jesus and wanted to follow that path, like like Gerald said, yeah. like there was no way that, that we could ever do anything or be anything because that's, I mean, that's kind of, at that point, that's how I was guiding my life and how mm-hmm. I still do today. One, one thing that's crazy, though, is I have a coworker who's Jewish and her husband is Catholic. How are they able to do that? Like, what do they believe? What their kids believe? I'm just like figuring out how do you like, is it you do you, I do me religiously, but somehow we meet in the middle. And I think it's because people find a lot of ethical overlap. I think like fundamental ideas about God, Uh you don't have to align on those, but as long as you align on thou shalt not commit adultery, murder, steal, lie. That's cool. We're aligned on that. Jews and Catholics are probably aligned on that. So that's right. enough just to keep a marriage going. So right. I, this is not this is not me endorsing interreligious mar- marriages. Hey, this is me just saying some people somehow make it work. They figure it out, and um, and some people yeah. might be open to it. Like some people yeah. who are matching might be like, okay, I mean, I'm Jewish or I'm I'm Catholic or Protestant. But I'd marry somebody who's a who's a monotheist in this like like somebody Judeo Christian Muslim religions. I'd be open to that because like they're not like fundamentally attached like super orthodox kind of like they're just kind of open. Right, they're not that like, committed to mm-hmm. whatever that religion is. Yeah. yeah, I think a good amount of people I interview, I ask them about the the religious piece of it because there's a questionnaire that they like fill out mm-hmm. and then in the interview is where I get like the real scoop right because yeah. sometimes if it's on a paper people yeah. it's kind of I don't want to say it's, it's it. scripted but I want to just get to the bottom of it not to be judgy and I tell people yeah. I don't I'm not asking these questions to judge you just you know be honest yeah. because how, I want to yeah. bring you like the real deal how tied to this are you right you might put a five or a six but you might actually be like a two. Like, you're really not that mm-hmm. deep into whatever you think it is that yeah. you believe. Right. Uh, okay, so a lot of times, um, especially uh, us two, we are on this app called... Clubhouse. 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 And so that's going to be our next number. I know we haven't had a ton of them. Sure. But I am a part of 13 clubs, many of which don't do anything. <laughs> Okay, Sad. but you know, you, you, you get on them and you kind of see what happens because like we talked about already, and I think all of us can say the same thing. We're very social people, right? Wherever we can kind of meet people, yeah. talk about different things, like we want to kind of be in the mix, right? So yeah. I jumped on Clubhouse because of, because of them. Yeah, we got and we started in November. It's been around since early in the pandemic, like mid to late 2020. It's been around. Yeah. We just joined November. So what? Three, four months ago. Yeah. And so, um, Santana has a, um... A club on yeah. Clubhouse. I feel like you're in, like, a bunch of stuff. I just get the notifications. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Santana's talking. Let me see what she's talking about. Yeah. It's usually in a room with a bunch of ladies. Yeah. And, uh, I'm like... My Clubhouse oh, yeah. drive. 
And then she always is like, oh, my friend, my real life friend, Tony's here from church. And so I got to get on there and say something. That's which, like that blue check verification. Like I verified yeah. you're a real person. Like, oh, he's good. He's good. Like, we don't have to. He's not lurking. He's he's good for it. So like, how did the clubhouse thing start? Uh, we'll go with Gerald. Then we'll come back. I really started because she brought it to my attention. I don't even remember how she learned about it. Okay, we'll go with Santana. Yeah, forgive me. <laughs> I was only transparent. So, as part of the entrepreneurial spirit, I guess, when I first launched the matchmaking agency, mm -hmm. I joined a bunch of Facebook groups. I'm like, I want to connect with more people. I need to build my network. Yes. I need to build, you know, the people I know. So, the more people I know, the more people I'm aware of to matchmake people with. So, I joined a bunch of Christian women's, like, Facebook groups, stuff like that. I mean, low-key, my motivation was also to scout for people. Of course. Um, and in one of these groups, they have a follow for a follow Monday. And I was like, oh, this is cool. So one Monday was Instagram, Facebook, these different things. And then one week they said follow for a follow clubhouse. Post your clubhouse name and we'll follow each other. I was like, clubhouse? What, what, is, what that? is that? So I did like some research and I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I like downloaded the app and I really didn't think it was going to be a thing. Like it didn't seem that appealing to me. I was like, I don't get it. Like, what is this? And then I jumped on and I've been hooked ever since. It's yeah. like a audio social media. It's kind of like a zoom call with no video and you can just be in the audience and you hear these dynamic conversations where you're like a fly on the wall right. in conversations that we really don't have in real life, you know? Yeah. That was episode 34, part one. I had to split it up into two parts because we get into Whoopi Goldberg. We get into race and a lot of black history type stuff. So definitely check out episode 34, part two of the Living Numbers podcast. Of course, make sure you guys like, subscribe. You can email the show at one Tony Rambles at gmail.com follow me on ig at underscore tony rambles underscore make sure you like subscribe download follow share do all of those great things support the show and i just want to thank you all for listening to the living numbers podcast this is your host tony rambles and i'll see you all in the next round